Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. It is an historic day and a transfer of power. The president departing Joint Base Andrews with about three hours to go until Joe Biden is sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. The president-elect now at a church service with Kamala Harris, who will become the first female vice president. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to a special edition of Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber with futures relatively solid this morning. Jim, it's been a long road to this day. We've talked a lot about election risk over the past few months, but uh, we are about to witness what America's famous for, and that is a peaceful, orderly transfer of power. Look, I think that we're all beleaguered. Uh, I think that an orderly uh, transfer of power, uh, coupled with a well-defined plan to give us vaccines as they roll out, will make it so that this market can go up tremendously. Uh, everything else, I think, is just uh, I'm not saying it, it's uh, irrelevant, but you can't get this economy open until we figure out how to get the vaccines from Pfizer and from Moderna into our arms. And once the president's in and he has a defined plan on that, David, I think there will be rejoicing right now. It's catastrophic and chaotic and anything that indicates order will send this market higher, David. Well, he's talked about 100 million uh, vaccinations in 100 days. Yeah. And that's been the uh, that's been the target now. And so he will be held to that. But to your point, Jim, uh, there's going to have to be some significant changes, it would seem, in the way the vaccine is administered if they're going to be able to successfully hit those targets consistently. A million people a day. Where are all the organizations that came on and told us that we could just get appointments? What happened to them? What? Why are they not coming on? Why isn't Walgreens coming on and saying, hey, listen, man, sorry. How about McKesson? Where is the bottleneck? We know that they were making millions. If we were to go follow a vial from Pfizer to wherever the heck it goes, I think we would find that it is taking a circuitous route, Carl, that does not put it in our arms. And if it did, and we did not have to rely on all sorts of people who didn't ever uh, sign up for it, I think that what would happen is people would say, you know what? Now there's a path. Now we can get there. And that would be an incredible part of a new inauguration, new president. Jim, I am curious um, if we are going with the narrative, of course, that this is now Joe Biden's pandemic. How much time does the market allow him to demonstrate that daily vaccination rates are, in fact, accelerating? Is this a thing the market's willing to wait a month for? Uh, Obviously, the administration is going to try to Uh, lower some expectations and say, look, we've got to get into the agencies first and find out exactly where we are uh, with the data that we've maybe not been able to see in the transition. I think that because of the uh, overpromise of the 100 million, I think that it's going to be a clock that is unlike any we've ever seen, where there is a belief that right now there is a plan. David, when you set out those expectations, the uh, I think the clock starts at noon, and it is not going to be anything. 
that can be avoided. It is going to be front and center more than anything involving cooperation with Congress, more than these executive orders that are going to maybe return uh, the, I don't know, how about the uh, Arctic National Wildlife? Is, that, is we going to keep Exxon from there? I mean, you know what it is, David. It is clock ticking so that our grandparents, our parents, and us are going to get something in our arms, and we're going to return to the way things were, not exactly in 2018, but close. Um, I'll take 2019, well, that for that matter. Boom. That's a boom year. Yeah. Uh, Jim, we focused on it. We will continue to uh, in terms of the rollout of the vaccine. And you're right to obviously point that. And by the way, yesterday during testimony, a number of, I mean, Janet Yellen, a number of uh, people pointed to that as well as being the key. First thing to deal with is the pandemic and then everything else will follow. Do you think, David, it's time to, for someone to come clean and say where the vials are in each state? I mean, Pfizer and Moderna, they're not just, you know, they're not like if you went there, they're making things. OK, wow. and they're making millions and millions of vials. Well, what happens to them after they leave? I, I don't know, Jim. Well, does anyone? I thought that we knew where they were. You're telling me we don't? Kind of. OK. I mean, I think that it's not a secret. I think it's just wide open. I wish I'd like to hear from McKesson. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, maybe they know where they are. Maybe, maybe Merlot at CVS, has a, in, they know where they are. In three hours, you have a new administration, Carl, that's going to be responsible for all these things. And I know to what Jim is talking about, right, you had the mayor of New York say by Thursday the city's going to run out of doses, uh, even mm-hmm. though many people have appointments to be showing up to get it. So you hope those kinds of things are resolved across the country if, in fact, there are shortages of doses that are supposed to be put into people's arms as they have been successful, at least, hopefully, in getting appointments to do so. Yeah, uh, a couple of bright spots, guys, this morning. One is that Pfizer and BioNTech did publish some data that suggests that the vaccine, as it exists now, does uh, elicit an immune response in the U.K. variant. We've been looking for some numbers on that. Uh, The other, Jim, is that, of course, that along with the other executive orders, the president-elect will sign on his first day, uh, numbering about 15. One of them will create a COVID response team that reports directly to the president. So maybe the compression of responsibility that you've been looking for uh, will yield some results in the not too distant future. Yeah, I mean, look, there is a level of foolishness uh, about the idea that there are people who can handle it, that they really can't. Uh, The facility I went to, I don't know, can they do 100 a day? Uh, It's not clear. We need to have mass inoculations. Uh, A lot of people in business recognize that. We're going to have a business. Maybe we have a business uh, Washington partnership. But we have to go back to the great country we are, which is a federal country. We have to get out of the state business. The idea that this was a state matter is ludicrous. And I think that we're the laughing stock of the world because somehow we've made it so individual counties in our country are tasked with giving us vaccines. And they've never been tasked with anything like this. At least we had places like CVS and Walgreens that have delivered vaccines. They've understood the flu vaccine. Maybe there are some that are being delivered. But, Carl, if they if he's uh, the president gets this going, I think a lot of people are going to give him a lot of leeway. But if the president doesn't solve the vaccine, then, David, what will happen is all the money goes again to the restaurants that can't open and the theaters that can't open and all the different companies that can't open. It's so much better to solve it than it is to keep giving money to people who can't open. 
Yeah, not to mention saving lives, Jim, uh, as we continue to watch, of course, uh, President-elect still Biden for another little less than three hours in the service there, uh, Carl. But yeah, uh, 400,000 deaths, what we had 100,000 deaths just over the last 36 days, Carl. So that's the key reason to solve this thing is to save lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, um, NBC News reporting this morning, guys, that the Deputy Press Secretary uh, Judd Deere confirms the president did leave President-elect Biden a note. Uh, NBC has asked for more details on where the note was left and what might have been said. But we'll be looking for some signs that uh, that Trump left some indications about his hopes for the coming administration. He did mention the incoming administration in his remarks at Joint Base Andrews, although didn't mention Biden by name. Jim, your larger point about uh, solving the pandemic itself versus the rescue funds meant to ameliorate the pandemic is exactly what Yellen got to yesterday. She was terrific. Uh, I think that she, I compared it to Tom Brady, just because sometimes I like to use these sports analogies. She just never got touched. I mean, she wasn't sacked. She got rid of the ball very quickly. She's an old hand. I felt the Republicans, the press indicated the Republicans were pushing back. I don't think the Republicans were pushing back. I think they were deferential. And I think that's very important. You know what else is going to change, Carl? Think about the parting words of the president, the China virus. Okay, what does President Xi hate more than anything else? The call of the China virus. Is it the China Bible came from China. But there is, I mean, the press is filled with articles about how the Biden administration is going to get tough with China. Carl, that's not going to happen. They're, they're not. I mean, that, this is not about shutting down Huawei. It's about please having some more civil rights. So back to you, Carl. But the idea that they're tough on China is just ludicrous. Yeah, well, uh, that's going to be interesting, Jim. Uh, Tony Blinken did say yesterday that the approach to China by the Trump White House was one of the things they did right. So we'll be looking for any signs of a pivot there. Uh, we mentioned Yellen, of course, at her confirmation hearing yesterday. Uh, she, she did give us a glimpse of what the Biden White House would do from an ec economic policy standpoint. And Eamon Javers has more on that this morning. Hi, Eamon. Yeah, good morning to you, Carl. Donald Trump has left the building and now the focus of Washington, D.C. and the nation turns to the incoming Biden administration as this Biden administration is going to try to get its arms around the economic crisis left by the COVID virus uh, as they try to ramp up that virus response that you guys have just been talking about. Take a look at the economic team that Biden has put in place. Now, all these people are still going to need to be confirmed in these Senate confirmable jobs. Uh, but you talked about Janet Yellen. She testified yesterday up on Capitol Hill, uh, laid out her vision uh, for the economic recovery. And she talked about some of the highlights of things that the Biden, Biden team is going to want to do. Take a listen. I see, for example, extended unemployment insurance, um, SNAP benefits and so forth as having a very large buck. Of course, in a way, the biggest bang per buck comes from the money we spend on public health to make sure that um, we have widespread vaccinations quickly. So now that big question here politically in the building behind me is going to be, can that $1.9 trillion package that Joe Biden is proposing get through Congress and get signed into law by a President Biden? How quickly can that happen? What compromises might this Biden team have to make? You've already heard some of the Republicans yesterday talking about their concerns about the amount of spending that the Biden administration is contemplating. Remember, this is being billed by the Biden team as just a first effort here in terms of the $1.9 trillion 
trillion spending package. They're also talking about a later on infrastructure package that would have a lot of roads, bridges, and all that sort of thing. Uh, we, we do imagine that members of Congress uh, will like some of that because a lot of it will go to their states and districts. So that might have some favorable footing as well. Uh, we're going to have to watch for the vote count, the politicking, the compromising, and the horse trading, all that to come. But today, the next couple of hours, guys, will all be all about uh, the Biden swearing in and all of the pomp and circumstance. Back over to you. All right, Eamon, thanks for that. Uh, and as to your point about compromise, Jim, uh, it's been well telegraphed that the invitation to McConnell by the president-elect to church this morning is supposed to be um, reflective of what will be a larger effort to try to share power in the Senate and compromise on things rather than ram them through. Well, look, it, it would be I think the American people are owed that. Uh, now, we don't know whether uh, Senator McConnell has control of his own caucus, but I think that the idea that you go back four years, there are many people who wanted to shake up things. And I think that there were a lot of things that needed to be shaken up. But now I think we need uh, repair and unity. Look, I'm no constitutional scholar, but, David, uh, the Constitution is really about one country. It, it, it's not a state by state, uh, red, red, blue. It was never meant to be that. I mean, you know, it's just not. David? I, I believe you, Jim. You do? Yeah, I well, do. This is a new regime, and you and I agree, so it's a new day. It is a new day. Uh, there's no doubt about that, Carl, as we count down, of course, to uh, Vice President Biden taking the oath of office to become the what, 46th president. Yeah, oh, this 46 in advance of that, guys. Of course, we got an opening bell. We'll talk about some of the earnings that are trickling in. Netflix last night. Big mover after announcing uh, subs surpassed 200 million for the first time. Interesting cash flow story over there. We'll talk about P&G and Morgan Stanley and our inauguration day edition of Squawk on the Street. We'll continue in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Netflix is up big in the pre-market after reporting uh, sub numbers exceeded 200 million for the first time as 2020 ended. That news overshadowed a quarterly earnings miss. On last night's call, Reed Hastings said Netflix has a lot more viewers they hope to get. You take the U.S. being our most penetrated market, um, we're still under 10 percent of television viewing time as Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, so again, there, you know, we've got a lot of subscribers, um, here in the U S but we still have a lot more viewing time that we would like to earn with an incredible service and incredible content. Nice round of upgrades this morning, Jim, including Wells, which goes to 700. Look, this was a remarkable quarter because you, when you hear the, the kinds of things they're talking about, about the free cash flow, you have to go back and think, this, wasn't this company supposed to be overspending? Wasn't this company supposed to have no ability to go long term? Was this company really able to make individual content that was going to be good? Every bit of that is true. When you go over this conference call, what I think you think about is if you give the people the best product, 
George Clooney starring, directing in the Midnight Sky. I guess I'm going to watch that because he already told us, read that 72 million households are going to choose to watch it. When you give them product like Lupin, David, an adrenaline-filled French language heist series, yes. then that's People what, love that. That's what I say drives cash flow it, and drives even well, a Well, and cash flow is the key, I think, in a way that perhaps Netflix is, is being looked at in a way that it hasn't been previously, or at least delivering on the promise that many people doubted five years ago, which is that this would become a free cash flow story. Uh, let's not forget they're talking about getting a free cash flow break even, and they are even at least discussing the possibility of buying back stock or returning capital to <laughs> shareholders. Yes, they need to have a certain amount of debt because they need a certain amount of cash available at all times in order to continue to produce at the rate that they are. Uh, but, you know, to those who once questioned whether this could be viewed in some ways as a cable company, as in producing a lot of free cash flow and levered up to a certain, to a fairly high degree, well, I think they're proving it right. And in part, Jim, they're doing so because churn is so low. You've had yes. HBO Max. You, Wonder Woman's been out there. It hasn't hurt them. Uh, Disney Plus growing enormously hasn't hurt them. Uh, and so they are proving that they're not going to grow as fast as they had, but they're not going to lose subs. It's an international company. Uh, Carl, this call is about how well they're doing in Europe, how well they're doing in Asia, how Latin America is still good. They have done something that I never thought could happen. We watch subtitles. We watch all sorts of stuff that we never would watch. They understand how to do programming. They can do international programming. I just find that that's very different from HBO. Uh, it's very different from anybody. When they talk about Disney, they say, like, hey, welcome aboard. Hey, you guys have done a good job. I mean, it's almost I've never seen anything <laughs> as as um, congenial as I mean, it's like, hey, glad to have you. Welcome into our world. Uh, it's a remarkable. <laughs> I wish everyone would listen. I mean, you know, this is yeah. they're putting on a clinic of how I mean, it's almost it's very Andy Reid like. OK, everybody loves Andy. Andy's saying, hey, listen, I hope everybody's doing well. It would be terrific. I hope that they're not yawning as I talk because I see. Oh, hi, David. <laughs> David, if I put you to sleep, I, I don't know. I can give you some. I don't You're know. not putting me to sleep. Leave me alone. I'm fine. Leave you alone. I watched that midnight sky. It's all right. Yeah, just OK. Yeah, just OK. Really? I mean, I liked it. Had some faults. Well, a lot of fun, but it was fun. That's that's really enjoyed terrific, it though. Yeah. I like you that's know terrific. Clooney, although it wasn't. I mean, he had a beard. He was very old. Kind of looked a little like I'm starting to look. <laughs> he was very old. Yeah, he was old. That's a that's a that's a. Hmm. Uh, wow, yeah, we're not you know that's why that's why it's not my profession. There were some gaps. How about no, that? No, you Carl? made you uh, made gaps. you made your statement, David, and I I now I feel like I want to take my bat and you know, ball and go home. Nobody saw me yawn until you pointed it out. I was stunned. You're the only one. I was stunned. I wish you were back in wherever that place was that you, that secret bomb shelter you had that you came from for many months. Netflix quarter was great. Hey, don't knock but, bomb shelters. And I just want to yeah. just say before we go, because I hear that stupid, and I hear the great music. Um, Michael Pachter, David, the best headline I've ever seen for research. Still wrong, never in doubt. <laughs> Well, at least he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> he, he, he has been stubborn over time. He's kept uh, by you the out way, guys, obviously an, <laughs> an important day. Be sure to watch CNBC's special coverage of the inauguration today of Joe Biden, uh, hosted by Shepard Smith. That begins at 11 a.m. Eastern time this morning. Squawk on the Street is coming right back.
With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. As we count down to the Biden inauguration, good time to bring up Jim's investment themes for 2021. You zeroing down on one, Jim? Well, I think that there is one, which is if you go to 5G, uh, we are in a collision course, the likes of which I don't think we've ever seen. It's a worldwide chip shortage. There simply aren't enough chips to go around. It's not vaccine-like because life and death, but it's not just autos. There simply aren't enough chips to make every single device we have. We uh, ended up getting a real bottleneck at Taiwan Semi. They're spending 25 to $28 billion to open it up. But, David, when I talk about 5G, what I'm talking about is a just a hog, a monster that's devouring all the chips that would have normally gone throughout the system, whether it be 5G for Apple, whether it be 5G for, uh, for towers, whether it be 5G to, to make it so that the world is connected to each other. That is the single greatest bottleneck theme other than vaccines at this very moment also infects a lot of other areas, including e-commerce, even EV. Everybody needs more chips. I've never seen a shortage like this. That's interesting. Is there a particular area of chips that's in truly uh, short supply? NXPI, automobile. Okay, right. Right. Honestly, I mean, I don't think that there is a major CEO in this country who, if asked what the problem is right now, who has anything involving device that wouldn't say, we can't get the chips. Well, Internet of Things is, of course, a theme that we've discussed in relation to 5G. And it's not just about being able to get a, a, you know, download a movie more quickly on your phone. It's really the applications, the enterprise, given the lack of latency, are going to be dramatic as this really still slowly moves into the into the enterprise, into a factory, into a, a workplace in some way, into places where automation is very important, to Jim's point. And so chips become even more important that can communicate with the 5G signal, essentially. Right. Uh, Jim, and by the way, always worth mentioning, $95 billion, including clearing costs, was spent by the, we don't know who yet, actually, but Verizon and AT&T amongst them on that spectrum. Again, to help with their 5G. Yeah. 95 billion. That's incredible. The amount of money spent. And, Carl, the automobile dealers, when you watch GM go up every day, you watch Ford go up, the thing that is making it so they may not have the blowouts in the first half is they can't get the chips because the automobile business, I was listening to Mario Gabelli this morning, the automobile business is the hottest I could recall. The housing market is the hottest. There's only two months supply. Mm-hmm. We are just supply constrained with many things, particularly vaccines. Jim, uh, we're going to talk more about that in a second. Uh, There's the opening bell on the S&P heat map as we're just south at the open of 3,800. Your discussion of cars, Jim, reminds me of Oppenheimer going to street high Tesla 1036. They were at 486. Um, Meantime, Mercedes is unveiling its first electric compact SUV. Uh, in the um, in, in Europe called the EQA. Uh, but uh, the point from Oppenheimer on Tesla, Jim, is that in their words, uh, the learning advantage 
of all the cycles on the road, million vehicles on the road, is going to come back uh, and, and pay them back in terms of LIDAR down the road. That's an opportunity they think faster than competitors. Yeah, there's a really amazing article today about VW, the biggest, and how they're just not there. I mean, they did talk about how uh, there's an NVIDIA person there. NVIDIA's got a lot of chips that you need. Uh, they're the dominant producer of a lot of the great electric stuff in Audi. But, you know, you keep reading about these companies that just missed the cycle. Now, GM, I think, is catching up to the cycle. I think, David, GM is very excited. Well, you're, you're, uh, you're joined by investors. I mean, forget about Tesla, only up 21, 22 percent for the year. GM's up 34 percent this year. That's probably the best year GM's ever seen, and the month isn't even over. Well, Mary Barr is doing a remarkable job, and people seem to think, wait a second. Uh, when we see the real cars made with EV, blah, blah, when you see them, it's too late. I know, but GM's gone parabolic. I mean, look at the last two weeks. Let, look at the last 20, whatever, since oh. the beginning of the month. Oh, that's because it's doing much better. Okay. Is that? Is there it is. Kind of, <laughs> look at that. That's look at that what move. happens when they do well. GM? They do well. Well, they've announced a lot of things. They've announced a lot of things. Yesterday, of course, the announcement that Microsoft would be an investor in in the cruise uh, division, for lack of a better word, of GM, propelled the the stock higher, what, another 8%? Well, I think it's doing better than many of the SPAC EVs that you talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. You talk about. I I do. Yes. I'm not going to now. Um, no, nope, not going to do it. Not going to go there. <laughs> Carl, there are companies. I mean, look, clean energy. Everyone is very excited about clean energy. And the president uh, elect is very interested in things like hydrogen, clean hydrogen. So those stocks have moved up justifiably. I mean, the president is trying to make a, this new president is making a commitment to areas of uh, alternative power that says, listen, he's going to make it so all those big fossil fuel companies that keep going up. Don't be so sure, Carl, that that's the place to be when you have a president who is deeply committed and believes in. I know this is believes in global warming, believes in global warming, believes, believes in climate change, Carl. This could be remarkable. I mean, you you know, the other people who believe in that are the utility companies who were so afraid to do President Trump's bidding. Um, Jim, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, because yesterday the U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, nation's largest business lobby uh, came out with some comments that said uh, not only do they applaud us rejoining uh, the Paris Accord and, of course, we'll rejoin a bunch of different things, the World Health Organization with some of these EOs today, but didn't discount or necessarily criticize the idea of market-based credits for carbon. I so is the president-elect going to be, <laughs> are they going to be fighting business on this one or not? I, I thought that was shocking. Because I, I had last night, I, I had uh, a really good company, Logitech, going to the stocks going back up. And they're talking about putting a carbon statement on everything they make, not unlike the calories that you see on the side of whatever you eat. David, this is the start. I think this is the start of people saying, I want to be carbon neutral myself. That would be fascinating. I, I, the, I wonder how the system would work and whether you could really trust whatever the number was being put on a particular product. But that's very interesting. 
How can and you, you can immediately make that judgment? Is there a, couldn't you just say, hey, listen, Jim, that's a did you already have to find fault in it? Yes. I Why did. don't you give me 24 hours I can't. and then find I'm a very fault fractious person. I, well, I can't help it. Well, when it comes Brack to and Daryl doesn't feel like you. Um, when you buy one of his Logitech devices, and I have many of them at home, they are now going to be identified as this much carbon. Carl, this is the beginning of when people are focused on carbon. Uh, and I think that the era of let's not care. Is well, over at 12 o'clock. Don't, Carl, don't forget at the beginning, right. at the early stages, the Obama administration, of which, of course, the incoming president was the vice president, there was an opportunity to put a price on carbon. They had a potential deal in the Senate. McCain was there and they lost it. Uh, they kind of blew it. And uh, we've been living with the outcome ever since. But they were close. They were close to having a bipartisan bill that would have put a price on carbon back then. Well, that's it. Look, Carl, we've had tremendous reduction in uh, greenhouse gas. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that oil prices collapsed. A lot of it has to do with the fact that there was a lockdown. But the idea that this has become a focus is going to change what people care about with stocks. Now, a lot of this has been happening, Carl. You'll see a lot of these stocks have had tremendous moves, whether it be plug power or whether we see uh, Tesla, of course, uh, any of the EV engines, uh, you know, Rivian, we're focused on Rivian. But, Carl, this is a new world. And the people who have been buying these stocks are the merry men. They're far more adept at knowing where the country's going than people give them any credit. But I think the notion of finding out what's on the label for carbon is something we're going to be doing in this country within the next two or three years. Hmm. Um, David, I did want to give you a shout out on Jack Ma. Of course, you told us he wasn't in any serious trouble a while ago. Bob is now back close to a two month high. Yeah, reacting to uh, him surfacing, at least uh, in some fashion, uh, showing up, as, as we'd said a number of times. And there he is. You called the bottom, David. Yeah, we did. Uh, the stock went up w- when we first said that he uh, was not missing. We made the point. Now, had he disappeared, so to speak, from public life? Yes, as perhaps the most, not even perhaps, as the uh, most well-known member of the business establishment in China. And his absence was noted. Uh, and I've said many times. Uh, he's lying low, and we set it back on, what was it, January 5th? Uh, take a listen. He is being less visible purposefully, uh, and you can expect that that will continue to be the case for some time. He ran afoul of the, as Jim just said, the, the government, the PRC. Stock's up since then. Stock's up another 6%, Carl, as you just noted, uh, today uh, on his reemergence, so to speak. But he's going to keep laying low. Don't Make no mistake about it. He's not going to be criticizing the government in any way, shape, or form for quite some time as they continue to try to figure out what they can and can't do and as they try to figure out what Ant is going to look like and whether it could undertake another initial public offering, another, try to go public yet again, uh, you know, perhaps in this, in this year. Well, even as you uh, yawn at my most salient points, you did catch the bottom, 224 <laughs> to 267. If you went to the other guys' stations, other than the fact that some of them seem to be focused on that incredible left-wing invasion that, ha- that drove the Capitol, um, I do think that that was one of the great calls of all time. Ah, uh, Jim, you're, you're uh, thank well, you. Well, it was. It was just 50. This is a big company. It's a big company. It's important. And by the way, we don't want to lose sight of that. Listen, I hope that we can sit down with Jack Ma at some point and discuss what what it's been like to go through all this, but meh, we'll see. And what do you think about our chi- relations with China? Do you think there'll still be a lot of finger poking? Do you think that, that, Gen- that uh, President Xi will wake up one day and uh, Biden will be tweeting that the China no. virus is out of control? No. It's going it, to, you know, at the same time, the things that divide us are not going away, right? No. 
Uh, and, I, you know, there's a lot of things that incoming President uh, Biden is going to be doing on day one, but he's not going to be turning tariffs over. No, but don't you think this is the uh, I believe, Carl, that the Chinese are watching this. They're saying, OK, listen, we understand that the rhetoric is still not that good, but we're going to place the biggest order for Boeing planes in history. And uh, that makes it so that uh, it's not just corn anymore. We're not just in Kansas anymore with this guy. You like that one? I did. I just got a smile out of David's. He's just appeasing <laughs> me. He's appeasing me. You. Thank you, Chamberlain. Yes. He's trying to dig out. Yeah, trying I guess to dig so. Out. It's better when I'm sitting next to him sometimes, and he can't really see me. You know, Carl, it, back in the days when we used to sit <laughs> side by side. Now he can look right at me the whole time. We'll get there. Yeah, we You think will. so? We'll get back there, guys. I have a new mask today. I try to bear Eventually. a new mask every day. This is a particularly yeah, good we, one. We can't, we, we can't stay apart no, for that long. we can't. Jim, no. it's definitely a fang day. Yes! Uh, we got a, a new record high on the NASDAQ. Uh, Netflix is leading the S&P. And there's a nice halo around things like Facebook and Alphabet. I thought fang was dead. I've watched it on many shows. Fang has been pronounced dead so many times. And the one that I think is, it, that people ought to start realizing is going to have a blow, a, just a, 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 one of the greatest quarters, will be Amazon. Look at Amazon, up 81%. 81 points. David, Amazon is going back to its high, David. It's it going is? back to its high. Back yes, to its because high? The number, the, because it turns out that we like Amazon. Carl, we like systems where we pay money, flat fee. Netflix is a bargain. We love a bargain. Amazon is a bargain. Apple's service that we pay for, it, that comes up in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock, but don't worry, I'm up, I see you, Apple. That's a bargain. These are what people want. They're getting bargains, and they're paying up for them. And I think that that's far more important, Carl, than any antitrust organization or czar. Bizarre. As soon as I hear czar, I really just think about the dolphin. I think about the land. I think about to the Finland station and the stormy of the Winter Palace. Let's skip the word czar, Carl. I don't think czar works anymore. The czar had a real bad run in the end. <laughs> oh, um, you know, to, to that point, Jim. You know, uh, the names that did well in the pandemic obviously centered around tech, but they also centered around, uh, for instance, grocery stores. And today there is a call uh, as uh, Morgan Stanley cuts Kroger. They cut Albertsons. They say looming shift of spending back to services. And that means that some of these mature businesses may have overcomped. I saw that downgrade of Albertsons and I said, you know, did they ever even look at how well the company's doing? Uh, you know, Target, uh, $13. I mean, wow. Uh, I found that uh, I actually found that the uh, that downgrade a bit insulting. I think that all the things that uh, Albertsons are doing that are right, not everything just goes away. People will go to the supermarket even. I think the supermarkets. Sorry to say this, but I regard it a bit frightening. I do, David. I understand. Listen, I find listen. that you know I don't well, like the I like social distance, and a lot, of, a lot of I the aisles are too small. At least no, Albertsons maybe. Are and wider. If, this, if this new variant that is more transmissible really is around and throughout the country, as the CDC says, may be the case. Then and have they be, even that told may you? have people thinking right. more seriously about what, you know, how long they want to spend in a store and things like that. Right. So I, don't th- I, I disagree with the Albertsons call. call. I think these companies have adjusted. I think they're doing a good job. 
Uh, I think that the calls that I'm more concerned about, we had, we had an upgrade today. We had a big, big piece on Peloton. You know, that, that is a, it's simply the reaction to yesterday's negative on Peloton. Of course, they've been working on it much longer, and I get that. But I do like the Bernstein call about Colgate being not keeping up with spend. And we have not spent one second. Talking about on, Procter I, and Gamble. Yes, that's yeah, where I was going I knew you were going. I, mean, course, I know, a, of course, I know what you're thinking before you think it. Come on. Right. What are you in my what do you cerebellum want? or something? Yeah, I am. Net sales up in my more organic my sales up eight percent. And yet people didn't like it, David. They're sick Why? of everything. They are. Why? Oh, because it went up a lot. I mean, it's like Goldman Sachs in a great quarter. I mean, yeah, who cares? You know. Yeah. Uh, well, P and G. To your point, right? Uh, let me take a look. Actually, where the stock is right now, because we don't have a chart for you. Down. Um, it's, yeah, down it's down a bit. Down a little less than one percent. Yeah. I mean, Carl, look, these companies are what you circle back to. I mean, people are just. There, the uh, Proctor was in that uh, 70, 90 range forever, and it broke out. Now people are saying, wait a second. They want to own the ca- cars, though, Carl. That is where the action is. I, I have to tell you, Jim Farley, I, he is so humble, but he is Ford versus Ferrari. He's that guy. He, great movie. No? Yeah. I like that one. Like no, a great, great, great picture. And Ford is right up there with a lot of the Fang names in leading the S&P today. Up, uh, up about 3% or so. Uh, so fairly solid market open as we, of course, are just a couple of hours away from the inauguration of President Biden. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. Good morning, guys. Uh, happy Wednesday. Happy inauguration day. Yeah, two to one advancing to declining stocks. Another new high on the S&P 500. Some of this the election, some of the stimulus and some of this, frankly, earnings numbers are coming in really strong. The the analysts are wrong. They were underestimating. They're going to raise numbers. That's a big positive for the markets. Uh, as you see uh, a shot, of course, uh, uh, of Congress there. China is the lead here. Uh, and I think that's very important to note that I know the, everybody thinks the U.S. is doing well, but China has actually been far and away the world's best market so far. So I'm leading with that. MCHI is a very broad China ETF. That's what you're looking at. Technology stocks have been strong, but particularly the semiconductors have been market leaders. Energy, we're getting close to a new high on oil. Uh, banks have been flattish ever since the earnings came out. And yes, most of the time they're doing great, but they're not moving the stock prices. But remember, huge run-ups and consumer staples and utilities, they've been laggards all throughout the year. Here's the flattish bank stocks. Yeah, that's a new high for Morgan Stanley. But Zions, uh, none of these stocks are doing anything after their announcements. But remember, Zions up 50% since the election in November. 50% for a lot of these uh, regional banks. U.S. Bancorp reported kind of flattish numbers. They weren't a big uh, mover. But uh, just bear in mind, this is not unusual for banks to flatten out after the earnings season. Semis, no. I mean, Jim had a great point about chip shortages out there. But every day, the new high list is littered with semiconductor stocks, the usual names, Teradyne, Broadcom, Texas Instruments, Micron. Again, at 52-week highs. I want to point out the big beats we have been getting on some of these because this is bringing up the overall estimates on the S&P 500, which are fabulous. So Morgan Stanley, for example, earnings $1.81. The analyst estimates were $1.06 to $1.51. Not a single analyst got even close to the estimate on Morgan Stanley. I don't care. You can say we didn't get the reserve releases right, whatever you want to say. This is way, way off, but this is not unusual. Zions had the same thing. The analysts were all rolling on and that one. How about a JB? Hunt. That's not a bank stock. There's a transportation stock. They had uh, they had d- decent numbers, a dollar forty-four. And what happened with that? Well, the analyst estimate was a dollar twenty to a dollar forty. Not a single estimate. Got a transportation stock right overall. Here's the important thing, guys. 
43 companies so far reporting. So far, they've beaten by 18%. That's a very good number. That was what was last quarter, and thir- uh, beaten by 19%. Let me just point out, Carl, that we are getting a global rally right now. China's been the big market leader overall, but we've also seen South Korea, Japan, and Europe doing really well. The United States is the laggard up about 2% so far on the year. Global market rally. Carl, back to you. Yeah. All right, Bob, thank you very much, uh, Bob Pisani. When we come back, uh, a look at what to expect in the first 100 days of the Biden presidency. Before we go to break, though, take a look at some of the uh, fixed income markets. Treasury's faring this morning ahead of the Biden inauguration. Yields are currently moving to the upside, about 1-1. Home builder sentiment's coming out in about 15 minutes. A look at the action in the 10 years since Treasury Secretary nominee Janet Yellen's confirmation hearing yesterday morning. And we'll finish with a look at the dollar index. We're back in just a moment. What can we expect in the first 100 days of a Biden presidency? Our Kayla Tausche joins us with a closer look at that. Hi, Kayla. Hey, Carl. The incoming Biden-Harris administration has provided one, 10, and 100-day look-aheads with full policy slates laid out. At present, uh, they're defined by reversing policies instituted by Biden's predecessor, Donald Trump. Later this afternoon in the Oval Office, Biden is expected to sign 15 executive orders. That compares to just two executive orders for the last four predecessors on the first day. The COVID response is going to be front and center. They will centralize the government's effort, institute a federal mask mandate on federal property, extend some regulatory protections for renters and student loan borrowers, rejoin the World Health Organization, and they'll also re-sign the U.S. into the Paris Agreement Uh, in addition to a slew of other actions. And while the administration will unveil an immigration reform bill, incoming press secretary Jen Psaki, who is planning to brief the press this evening following all of these actions, she said this morning that Biden's first legislative goal is that massive economic relief. The urgency is getting a package passed to get relief to the American people, to get vaccine money out there, to ensure people are getting checks in their mailboxes. That's where he's going to spend his political capital. Saki says the administration over the next 10 days will revoke the ban on transgender military service and the so-called Mexico City policy on nonprofit funding. Secretary of State nominee Tony Blinken said yesterday on Capitol Hill he's interested in a longer and stronger a nuclear deal with Iran. Now, it remains to be seen whether these policy reversals will be met with similar legal challenges that plagued the initial rollout of some of these policies by the Trump administration, leading to uncertainty and protracted court battles. Already this morning, West Virginia Senator Shelley Moore Capito is saying these executive actions, namely the rescinding of the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline, will kill jobs. Also unclear, guys, where an impeachment trial would figure into all of this. The vice president-elect Kamala Harris in an interview with NPR before resigning her Senate seat on Monday said she expects a trial can happen concurrently with other priorities. But, Carl, we still don't know exactly when House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is going to send up that article of impeachment, thus triggering the trial. And there's been some suggestion that they could try to wait so that the Biden administration can hit the ground running on some of these other priorities, Carl. It's going to be interesting to see how the Senate uh, does uh, choose a gum and walks at the same time, Kayla. Uh, thank you very much, our Kayla Tausche. Jim, I don't think I've gotten to you on uh, on Keystone and whether how firm you think uh, Biden is on this. Obviously, we saw Canada's reaction yesterday, what it means for the sector. 
Well, it's completely unnecessary. Now, there's a, a huge amount of, uh, of oil coming in from Canada, more than there's been in a long time, more than a million uh, uh, barrels per day. Thank you, Rusty Brazil, for giving us that dis- information just this morning. But uh, I, I think that the pipeline is, it, it's just, it's an abstraction. And if they, it's better to use it, Carl, it's better to use it for scraps. Scraps going for a great deal of money because of the Chinese and the Turks. Starting to get some arrivals, guys, uh, at the Capitol. We'll keep our eye on that and get you some pictures as soon as we can. Remember to stay tuned for CNBC's special coverage of this inauguration day of Joe Biden, hosted by Shepard Smith, beginning in just over an hour at 11 a.m. Eastern time. In the meantime, Squawk on the Street is coming right back. Exiting the uh, church service this morning, the president-elect, Dr. Biden, uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, and Doug Emhoff at uh, the Cathedral of St. Matthew the Apostle. In the meantime, beginning to see some arrivals at the Capitol as we got record highs on the Russell, the Nasdaq, and the S&P. Don't go away. Jim, what's coming up tonight on Mad Money? Okay, in celebration of the new president, we got Renewable Energy Group. I think that they did not necessarily favor renewable energy in the previous administration. And we have a company called Gritstone. Many people are saying this is the next Moderna. And if it is the next Moderna and they have the cancer uh, solver that is actually trying to get uh, at some of the new strains, I think it could be huge. And the stock is flying. We have to get the vaccine in people's arms. Period. End of story. You've been really clear about that uh, today, Jim. Oh, I, I've been dealing tonight. with the uh, county commissioners. Uh, they, they have a real clue. They don't even know what a vaccine is. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's They're nice, a tight supply, nice especially people. in the Northeast. Nice people. As David knows, when people are called nice, what is that, David? It's not nice. Thank you. You're welcome. We'll see you at 6. Uh, Mad Money, of course, with Jim Cramer, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.